You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast, a regular dose of Christ-centered encouragement to put your mind in a better place. Listen in as Pastor John Stonge shares Bible studies, interviews, training, and some of his most recent sermons. We're glad to have you with us today. Well, good evening and welcome to our weekly Bible study. We're grateful to have you with us tonight. We're going to be looking this evening at a new book of the Bible. We just finished up our study of the book of James, and tonight we're studying the book of First John. And for the next group of weeks, we're going to be working our way a segment at a time through the book of First John. And as we start off this evening, we're going to be talking about the word of life, because we're going to be looking at First John chapter 1 starting with verse 1, and we're going to just work our way to verse 4. So we're really only looking at four verses this evening, but we're talking about the word of life and some of the things that the Apostle John brings up related to that concept. Now, let me give you a little bit of background on the book of 1 John, just in case it's not something that you're already familiar with. First of all, the book of 1 John was written by the Apostle John around the year A.D. 90. So somewhere around 85, 86, 87, maybe up to uh, the year 90, somewhere in that range. And it was written from the city of Ephesus. And the Apostle John was doing ministry there in Ephesus during his old age. Uh, And this was before John was exiled to the island of Patmos. And maybe some of you already know that when he was exiled to the island of Patmos, that's when he wrote the book of Revelation. So this is before Revelation was written. And uh, you're going to see some similarities if you're familiar with the Gospel of John. You're definitely going to see some similarities in this letter, in this epistle, the epistle of First John. But again, this was written right around the year 90, uh, before John was exiled to the island of Patmos. And I think it's helpful when you're studying a new book to kind of understand what the the biblical writer was trying to accomplish with the writing that he was doing. And if you've already read through the book of 1 John, you'll be familiar with this, but but John was trying to accomplish multiple things with this letter. And some of the main things he was trying to accomplish included trying to help bolster the faith of the believers. So that was one of the things. Keep in mind, the church was very young at that point, and he's trying to encourage believers who are living in the midst of a culture that that really doesn't support their faith and challenges them in many, many respects. And at the same time that John was trying to bolster the faith of these young believers, he was also trying to correct false teaching that was being spread. During that era, there were false teachers that were going around spreading all sorts of false doctrine, and I imagine in some respects it was a little bit easier for these false teachers to do this because the the New Testament wasn't fully written yet, and so because uh, and and it certainly wasn't quite easy to access uh, copies of the written books like we have it right now. Uh, it was certainly uh, you know it posed a lot more challenge to try and find access to the the written scriptures. 
but you have John trying to encourage believers, and he's trying to correct false teaching. And some of that false teaching was being spread by false teachers, false apostles who were living during that era, who really were just trying to gain attention for themselves. And some of them were just trying to bilk people out of their money. And that was an issue that was unfortunately common during that particular era. And so you have John, you actually have other biblical writers trying to correct false teaching as well. But that's one of the points that John was trying to accomplish. One of the things he was trying to accomplish with this letter. And so we'll see that as he tries to lay out some very important doctrines. We're even going to see some of those doctrines explained in our study tonight of the first four verses. Um, Now, throughout the course of this letter, you're going to see that John stressed certain concepts. And some of the concepts that he stresses here are things like this, having fellowship with God, certainly an important concept. We're actually going to see that in the opening verses of this book. Uh, He also, as we work our way through this, you're going to see him emphasize the need for believers to confess our sin. One of the mistakes that we can often make is holding on to sin and nurturing it and treating it like it's something that we should keep private and not really confess, but you're going to see the Apostle John encouraging us to readily confess our sin, ultimately so that sin doesn't dominate our lives in an unhealthy way. We want to call it out into the light because it loses its power when it's called out into the light. You also have John emphasizing the importance of loving God. And then from loving God, we're also told that we're called to love one another. And I'm pointing those two out because one of the things that the Apostle John was particularly known for was reminding people to express that love for one another. As we love the Lord, we're called to love one another, and you have John emphasizing that all throughout his writing. He does this in the Gospel of John, but he also does this here in the book of 1 John. He stresses this idea of loving God and loving one another. And then he goes on from there to talk more about knowing God personally and also acknowledging Christ's divinity. We'll see that throughout the book. We'll see that even in tonight's study as well. But these are some of the concepts that you'll notice as we work our way through the book of 1 John that John starts to stress. And as we work our way through the opening verses that we're looking at tonight, What we're going to be shown is the nature and the purpose of Christ's earthly ministry, as well as the foundation that he laid for us to remain eternally connected to one another as family. I don't know how often we really give that thought, but through Jesus Christ, we as believers in Christ remain eternally connected to one another. And that's something that that Christ has facilitated. And so a couple questions that I just want us to be thinking about as we prepare to look at these verses, and I just want these to be in the back of your mind for right now, but the the first question is this, is your fellowship with the Lord strong? Is your fellowship with the Lord strong? So think about that in a very personal way. Is your personal fellowship with the Lord strong? And then the follow-up to that is this, is your fellowship with other believers strong? I think you'll see as we work our way through the book that these are two aspects of of our faith in Christ that are supposed to be lived out and demonstrated, and certainly things that the Apostle John was encouraging the early church to value. Now, let's jump into the verses that we're going to look at this evening. We'll just take this a verse at a time. We're just looking at four verses, so I'm going to start us with 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. And the question we're going to answer as we look at this one verse is this, who is the word of life? Because John is talking about this here in this passage. Who is the word 
of life. Look at what it says in verse 1 of 1 John chapter 1. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. So it'll become very clear in just a moment as John continues to expound upon this that he's speaking of Jesus. And he's telling us a few things about Jesus in the opening verse of this letter. And the first thing he tells us here, and we just read it together, but he says, that which was from the beginning. So what he's trying to to stress here as he's speaking of Jesus in this way, is he's trying to stress the fact that Jesus is eternal. That when you go back to the beginning of time, when time started to be counted, Jesus already existed that which was from the beginning. He was already there in the beginning. And, he, and then he starts to speak of the fact that, that Jesus is someone that, that he, in his generation, and others who would have initially read this, had the opportunity to interact with Jesus personally. Because he says, even though he was from the beginning, he's saying he stepped into time. He stepped into time. He took on flesh and walked among us. He says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. What a privilege that would have been to be able to be among those who actually had the privilege to hear the voice of Christ as Christ was speaking. That I, I mean, you know, there are people in my life that when I think about them, I can hear their voice in my mind. I, I was uh, talking with my father a few weeks ago, and uh, my father said to me, uh, that it was a, a, a Sunday morning. It was the weather wasn't so great. He lives a couple hours north of me, and he confessed to me. He said, "You know, I have to admit, this was a Sunday afternoon." We were talking, and he said, "Of that morning, he said, I, I didn't really want to get up today." <laughs> he said, "I didn't want to get up today," and I was I was sort of uh, thinking about skipping church. And I said, "Oh yeah," and and he said, "Yeah, but you know what? What kind of motivated me to 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 you know just kind of put both feet on the floor, get up, get ready, and go to church." He said, all I could hear was my mother's voice in my mind saying, get up, go to church. The Lord blesses you in so many ways. Is it too much of you to give him an hour on your Sunday morning? Get up. He said, so I can hear my mom's voice in my mind still. And, uh, and I, I think, and I loved my grandmother. She was a, a wonderful lady, but my dad said, yeah, I, I could hear her voice in my mind today. Uh, you know, from all, all the time she encouraged me as a child, get up, go to church. You know, we're going to be there. And, uh, and, and so her mind or her voice is locked in my mind. Her voice is locked in, in my dad's mind. But imagine if you had the opportunity during the course of Christ's earthly ministry to hear him teach and to have locked in your memories the actual sound of his earthly voice. What a privilege that would have been. And you have the Apostle John saying that that was a privilege that he had and that many of the people that were initially reading this letter, they had as well. They had heard Jesus, not just heard about Jesus, they heard him directly. What a blessing, what a privilege. And it's also kind of amazing when you think about how many people living during that era didn't take advantage of that blessing. They had the opportunity to hear him, and and many did hear him, but we know from looking at the Gospels that there were plenty that really just were listening to Jesus because they were trying to find fault with what he was saying. They were trying to trip him up in something he was saying. They were trying to find reason for accusation against him. 
But here you have John saying, here, here we have the one who was from the beginning. He already existed in the beginning, and we had the privilege to hear him when he stepped into time. And then he also said, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have seen with our eyes. You know, there's so many different depictions of what we think Jesus may have looked like, paintings and, and artist sketches and uh, statues and, and all sorts of things that have been created artistically to try and convey what we think Jesus would have looked like. And those are just guesses. Those are things that, that, that probably it'd be kind of interesting to see how close they are, or how far off they happen to be, because many of the things that have been put together to try and convey what Jesus looked like, they portray someone who has very attractive facial features, a very chiseled look. But when you look at what Scripture, what scripture tells us about what Jesus looked like, it tells us that there was nothing about his appearance that would draw a person to him. There's nothing about his appearance that would have seemed special. There's nothing about his appearance which would have drawn us to him. He purposely came to this earth and took the form of a servant, Scripture reveals to us. And so John had the opportunity to see him with his eyes, and many of the people living during that time could say, yes, we saw him with our eyes. And I think it's very, well, I'm certain it was very intentional that Jesus took a very humble appearance during the course of his time on earth, because it wasn't his goal that people would be drawn to him because of his physical appearance. He was trying to help people recognize who he was on a deeper level and not come to him for superficial things or for superficial reasons. And here you have John saying, we've heard him, and we've seen him with our eyes. And then he also says, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. That's amazing, too. You know, even when you consider some of the miraculous things that took place in people's lives when they just had the privilege to just be touched by Christ or reach out and touch Christ. And John was able to say, yeah, I actually, actually was able to place my hand upon him, actually had the opportunity to touch him with my hands. I've heard him speak. I've seen him with my eyes. I've touched him with my hands, and I'm not the only one. Others of his reading here, others who are reading what he, would, what he was saying here, they had the opportunity to do the same so they could testify to these things. And so this was a real privilege. But then John says, of Jesus, he's referencing Jesus, and he, he refers to him here. He says, concerning the word of life. This is the nickname. This is the way he's referencing Christ. He's calling Christ the word of life. What a privilege that is to be able to say, I have, I have had direct connection, even in the physical sense, with the word of life. And I, I, I kind of wonder if, you, if maybe in, in reading that or in hearing that John calls Jesus the word of life, if that's something that you kind of wrestle with in your mind, what does he mean by that? Why is he calling him the word of life? Well, to have heard Christ was, uh, was the same as, as hearing the Father, because you're hearing the Father speaking in the Son. So you have Jesus being referred to as the word, the word of life. You hear the Father speaking in the Son. You have Jesus as the Word fully communicating and fully conveying the truth of God to those who were in his hearing. And it's appropriate when you, when you see that John—and by the way, he refers to Jesus as the Word 
not only here in First John, but also in the Gospel of John. And it's kind of fascinating when you consider even how creation was brought into existence. If you look in the book of Colossians chapter 1, if you look in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, those portions of Scripture remind us of the fact that Christ spoke creation into existence and that he sustains creation with his powerful word. That's what it tells us with his powerful word. And so here you have John calling him the word of life. He's the one who spoke creation into existence. He's the one who sustains creation by his powerful word. And in his teaching, what he's doing is he's, he's revealing uh, the mind of God to us. He's teaching us the, uh, about the ways in which God thinks. He's teaching us the ways in which we could value things like God values things. And it's interesting because John's also saying here, he's the word, but he's the word of life. And I think the significance of that is the fact that he's saying, in Christ, we have eternal life. In Christ, we have the message of the gospel. In Christ, we have the gospel personified. He's the word of life. He's the one who reveals what we need to understand in order for us to obtain the eternal life that he offers to us. And so here you have John speaking of all of these things, and it's a a pretty weighty way to start off this letter. This letter is brief, but it starts off with so much theological depth just in verse 1. We've only looked at one verse so far. Well, let's look at the second verse. And when we look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 2, here we're admonished basically to give testimony to the truth. And the way he says it is this. John says, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. So John's saying a few interesting things here in this portion of Scripture as he's trying to reveal these things. He's saying the life was made manifest. So he's saying, here you have God taking on flesh. You have life itself manifested right in front of them, personified right in front of them, visible right in front of them. The life was made manifest. You have you have the Lord whom mankind had not visibly seen now being visibly seen. The life was made manifest. And he says, we've seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. And that's interesting because here you have John, by his own example, encouraging us to give testimony to the truth. If you know Jesus, you're called to testify about him. And that's what John's doing. He's saying, and, you know, and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. That's what John's trying to do. He's testifying to the truth. He's giving testimony to the truth because he has seen and he has experienced life that comes from Christ. He says, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. So you have Christ who is eternally existent, living in perfect fellowship with God the Father. So that's what he's speaking of when he says, which was with the Father. It was made manifest to us, made visible to us. He took on flesh. He came and dwelt among us, taking the very form of, of a servant living among living among us and you have John here encouraging by his example and by his words he's encouraging us to give testimony to that truth because that's what John's doing as well he's saying we testify to this right and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life that's one of the gifts that the lord's given to us as people who have received the gift of eternal life it's hard to not talk about things that you get excited about i i have some curious habits that those who are in my household 
they know pretty well. And one of the things that my family jokes about with me is the fact that when I get excited about something, I will tell you about it a hundred times and I will forget that I've already told you about it the previous 99 times. I'll keep telling you the same thing over and over again, like it's brand new. Or even if, even if I'm certain I've already told you about it, I'll just feel like talking about it more and more. So it doesn't even matter what it is. Whatever I'm excited about at the time, I talk about a lot. And I don't always mean to do it, but sometimes I mean to do it. And here you could see that John is excited about who Jesus is. And he's excited about what Jesus does for us. And he can't help but testify to the fact that through Christ, we find eternal life. And we're encouraged to catch that fire, too. And by the way, keep in mind that the Apostle John was the youngest of the apostles. But at the time he's writing this, he's now an old man. He's now an old man. And he's still excited. And in fact, I would say as his faith continued to grow and progress and mature over the course of his life, it very well may be that he was even more excited, possibly because he knew that the day was coming where he was going to be able to see Christ face to face yet again. And I think he was looking forward to that. And he probably thought, you know what, I'm a very old man at this point, and I don't have that much time left. And so with the breath that I still have, I'm going to share, I'm going to tell other people about Jesus. I'm going to let them know, and I'm going to testify, and I'm going to encourage others, even by my own example, to give testimony to the truth. Well, look at what he, what he says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. He goes from there to talk about the fact that the foundation of our fellowship is the fellowship that exists in the Trinity. And he, he, he explains it like this. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. So you see continual proclamation. He says, we've heard it, but we tell you about what we've heard. And then he says, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. One of the things that I've heard people say from time to time that is not an accurate statement as far as I'm concerned is that the reason God created humanity, the reason God created mankind, is because he was lonely. And because he was lonely, he wanted to create us. And that sounds adorable. (laughs) It sounds so cute. It sounds so warm and fuzzy, but it's not true. God was not lonely. God did not create us because he was lonely. There's never been a time in all eternity when God was lonely, because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in perfect union, one God in three persons. God has never been lonely. Within the Godhead, there is perfect eternal fellowship. And so you have John talking about that fellowship. He talks about the fellowship that exists specifically here in this context between the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. That kind of fellowship. It's the fellowship that we see demonstrated in the Trinity between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And specifically here, you have John referencing the fellowship existing between the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And he tells us that we too may have fellowship. Well, what's our fellowship based on? The fellowship that you and I have with one another as believers in Christ is anchored in the fact that perfect fellowship exists in God himself. So as the Father, Son, and Spirit have perfect fellowship, and we are anchored to Jesus Christ, we experience that perfect fellowship that's rooted in God, but now it gets to be manifested among us. 
because as we have common faith in Jesus Christ, we also have common fellowship with Christ, and Christ has fellowship with the Father, and Christ has fellowship with the Spirit, and and we then likewise, being all united to Christ together, have fellowship with one another. And so John is trying to illustrate that union that exists in the church because of our common union to Jesus Christ. So he says, it, I'll read it again, he says, so that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So as perfect fellowship exists just within God by nature, that fellowship is extended to us as we believe in Jesus Christ and are then united to him. And that's something that gets tested, it gets challenged, it's something that in a few minutes I'm going to ask a few questions about that specific subject, fellowship, but it's something that you have the Apostle John illustrating here in this passage in a very useful way. One other thing I want to highlight for us before we segue into some discussion of these things, and that's this. When you look at verse 4, it reveals that there is joy in helping others embrace the truth. Let me reread, or no, I'll read it for the first time, actually. First John chapter 1, verse 4, and you have John saying this. He says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I'll say it again. He says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. During the course of John's adult life, during the course of his ministry as an apostle, as a pastor, you have John working with all sorts of people. And I can tell you, so this is year 23 for me as a full-time pastor. I know that there are a couple uh, uh, individuals that are on the call with us tonight that have been involved in various forms of pastoral ministry. And I, I think all of us can testify to to the fact that when you're trying to lead people in spiritual things, when you're trying to mentor people and help people uh, to walk with Christ, and you're trying to explain uh, the Scriptures to others, and you're trying to show people what it looks like to live out their faith, that is a challenging exercise, but it's also a very rewarding exercise. And you have in the Apostle John an example of someone who is a very loving leader. He loved the people that he had the privilege to lead. He loved the people that he had the opportunity to influence, the people that he had the opportunity to shepherd for Christ's glory. And so as he's writing these things down, he's doing this so that he can encourage these believers. He's doing this so that he can help them not fall prey to false teaching. But he says, we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And he's getting at the fact that when, when he's talking about this idea of joy being complete, he's talking about joy growing up or joy maturing. He's saying, you know, joy will be complete when the recipients of this writing, so the believers living during that era, but also when you think beyond that era, even into now, as we're sitting here reading these things, um, he, he's talking about joy being complete in the sense that believers would mature in their faith. The, just the joyful thought of seeing believers grow and mature and deepen their walk with Christ. And so John is talking about that, saying we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete, because we want to see people's faith mature. We want to see people grow in their walk with Christ. We want to see that grow up so that, so that we don't remain spiritual 
infants. There are many people who spend far too long in spiritual infancy because they're not progressing in their faith or taking advantage of of, uh, the opportunity that they have to grow in faith to the degree that they ought to. And so here John is saying, I'm trying to facilitate something here as the Holy Spirit is giving me the words to say, trying to facilitate something that will help us all grow in our faith so that our joy may be complete, so that we can be mature followers of Jesus Christ, not immature followers of Jesus Christ. And so that's what he's encouraging the church to embrace and and, uh, understand. And it's certainly a very useful thing for us to keep in mind as well. Now, in just a moment, we're going to segue into some discussion of these verses. But for those of you that are accessing this either through the video or through the podcast recordings, I just want to encourage you to stop by desirejesus.com if you'd like to access more resources that we have for you there that we certainly hope will enable you to grow in your walk with Christ and certainly hope that will enable you to, to mature in your faith. Lots of resources over there, desirejesus.com. You could access all three of the podcasts, uh, years and years of blog content that's searchable by topic. It's all right there. So definitely stop by if you have the opportunity, desirejesus.com. But what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to bring our guests up on the screen with me. I'm grateful that uh, each of you guys are able to be with me here on the call tonight. And um, I, I want to start us off with a question here as we discuss some of these concepts tonight. First of all, uh, my first question is this, and I, I hope someone will be eager to break the ice for us here because it's fun when we just jump right into it. But let me ask this as the first question for us tonight. How do you think you would have responded to Jesus if you lived during his earthly ministry? Because you have the Apostle John, as he's talking about this in the opening verses, he's talking about the fact that I've, I've heard him, I've seen him, I've even, I've even reached out and touched him. And so he had the opportunity to experience Jesus in that kind of capacity during the course of Christ's earthly ministry. But I'm just curious what you think your response to Christ would have been if you had the opportunity to live during that time that John was living in, uh, during the time of Christ's earthly ministry. Anyone want to offer an opinion on that? What do you think your response to Jesus would have been? Yeah, Don, go ahead. Thanks for breaking the ice for us, Don. We appreciate it. Yeah, I'm an icebreaker. But the uh I would say that it would be de- it would de- be dependent on what uh season of my life I was in. Uh I can see uh, when I used to be a construction worker like, you know, like the fishermen, like uh when he first approached them and told them to come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, uh I might have been ready to just drop the toll belt and and the nail gun and go with them. Uh, but then the next thought that came into my mind was, what if I was involved in the uh, the ministry like I am now? Because I see how the people that were church leaders at that time didn't kind of, you know, like take them too light, uh, take much of a liking to Jesus back then. So that's what I thought about right off the bat was, it would it would probably depend on what stage of my life I was in. And it could have been way before when I just didn't want to hear anything from anybody. And I was just a rebellious person that no matter who you are or what you had to say, I didn't want to hear anything from anybody. So that's what I thought I'd break the ice with. For me, it would depend on when it was that he, that he came. Uh, I, I'm hoping he comes now. And uh, I, hope I, would have hoped that, <laughs> I would hope that I would have been in the stage of life I am now because I would have welcomed, welcomed him with open arms and, and followed him wherever he went. 
Yeah. So that, that's a good point. You know, so for Don, he, he, you know, his speculation is it, it would depend on what season of life he was at. So that's a, that's a good insight. How, how about someone else? You know, what do you think? How do you think you would have responded to Jesus if you lived during that era? I, I've wondered this about myself many times. I'm just curious what you guys think about your own self. Yeah, I was trying to think of like um, biblical uh, characters like I would relate to. Honestly, the people who came to mind were the two dudes on the road to Emmaus. Yes. Like, I feel like I would have gone for it once it was explained, but like, I need an explanation. <laughs> yeah. So that's in, uh, you're, you're referring to Luke chapter 24, which is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, because that chapter helps us understand that the whole Bible has been trying to point us to Jesus and uh, all the Old Testament in particular, as he's explaining it there. So yeah, it, it maybe would help to have a uh, kind of a, an explanation. And Jesus did that favor for those guys, right? So he walked them through, you know, all the scriptures showing them how it was all pointing to him. And um, so, yeah, so your analytical mind would have, or your historical mind would have appreciated some <laughs> historical trajectory. Help me get there, Jesus. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Anyone else have, have an opinion on that? How do you think it would have responded? So I did the same thing Greg did and was thinking of like characters to align with. <laughs> and since I've always really resonated and, and uh, with Martha, I think I probably Jesus would have been like, can you stop doing something for a minute and just listen? That's so, probably what my response would be. Yeah. Those of you that are, that are accessing this via the podcast, obviously you can't see, but the person that just spoke is my lovely wife, Andrea, and she very much is like Martha, if, if you're familiar with Martha from the scriptures, because she's always doing, always serving, always helping, which is a lovely trait. But sometimes Jesus says to that person, hey, maybe you just sit down and listen for a little bit, you know, just take it all in. You don't have to keep doing and keep doing and keep doing. Um, and, uh, Martha seemed to have that struggle. And my wife and I have joked, uh, that, that, uh, you know, the same advice Jesus gave Martha might be the same advice he gives Andrea in, in present day. So, so yeah, I think so too. Desha, you had your hand up too. Do you, do you remember what you were going to say? Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking, I'd probably ask a lot of questions out of curiosity to see what he was about, exactly what was going on, what he was doing here and, kind of along the lines of what Greg had mentioned. Um, I need a little more information. Yeah. Yeah. Could you clarify this for me? I'd be curious. Katie has her hand up too. Let's hear it. Katie. What do you think? I can resonate with, with what everyone has talked about. I think there have been many times and even, even periodically throughout the day to have the tendency towards uh, to be like Martha. But I think as I've gone through uh, just circumstances or having COVID in the last year or being, you know, going through the, the process of, of lockdowns. You know, I think it's, it's given the opportunity to truly to become more like Mary, well, hopefully, and yeah. sit at his feet and just be, uh, you know, bringing out the, the side of me that's more of a worshiper, if you will. And so just resonating with, um, who Jesus, who Jesus is, who Jesus was, you know, all of that in, in, in the Trinity. And also just, you know, looking at him through the eyes of a child, I, as long as I can remember, just, it's always been there. And so I think, you know, what Don mentioned at being in at different phases of our lives, you know, that really resonates with me as well. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and I, I wonder, I'll, let, let me even follow that up with this, and, and this could be for you, Katie, or it could be for any, any of us, really. Um, do you think it would be helpful for your faith if you could have seen Jesus with your eyes? What do you think, <laughs> yes or no? Anyone have a thought on that, Katie, or anyone else? Sure, absolutely, absolutely. All right, All right mm-hmm. so Katie thinks be helpful if uh, you could have seen Jesus with your eyes. What do you think? Any, any other thoughts on that? Would it have helped you to see him with your eyes? John saw him with his eyes. He was stressing that in verse 1. What Do you think it would have helped you in any way to see Jesus with the, just eye to eye? I see Don shaking his head. Anyone else? I, I kind of wonder about that because, like, there's the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Right. Um, where at the end, Jesus is like, you know, if they do, do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Like, I'd like to think that it, that it would, but sometimes I don't you know. wonder. Maybe I would, would appreciate seeing Jesus. That would be, yeah. But I wonder if for, for someone who's already um, rejecting Jesus, would that change their mind or would they come up with an explanation to get around that? Yeah. 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 I, I think, you know, it's, it, we can, we can find ways to harden our hearts one way or another, right? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't take much for us to do that. All right. All right. Here, let me, uh, let me segue from that into some of the things he was talking, John was talking about in uh, verse two. Uh, because in verse two, he was talking about this idea of giving a testimony and testifying and uh, and making Christ known. And so I'd be curious if any of you have any thoughts or insights on a particular a particular thought. Uh, and, and my question is this. At present, how do you attempt to testify to your relationship with Jesus? At present, how do you attempt to give that testimony? You know, is there an approach that you uh, appreciate taking? Is there a way that you find yourself speaking of Jesus more? Is there a context when you tend to speak about him more? You know, what does it look like at present in your life uh, when you're trying to give a testimony to your relationship with Jesus? You ever hear it said that we should be ready at any given moment to give a testimony of him? Any given moment, right? Um, did I, I don't know if I just overspoke uh someone sharing katie your your screen lit up were you about to share <laughs> sorry i was just about to share i think uh depending on the context i mean i feel free to to share certainly sometimes more than others i'll, I'll be honest about that but i think with my children i will share my thoughts and you know learnings or just insights about jesus would be different or I know they are uh, at times, and it's different as they've grown as well. But also then, if I'm speaking to a friend that I know really well, know really well going more into to greater detail and having those deeper conversations, whereas uh, hopefully being able to just minister to someone or um, be present with someone uh, in the sense that so that they could relate to it and better understand who Jesus is, I would probably describe him differently than I might to someone whom I was close to. I think there probably are different nuances, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So the, those that you feel particularly close with, those you already, those who have already demonstrated to you that they, that they like you, that they know you, that they trust you, um, you, you, you have, uh, 
you notice it, it just like rolls off the tongue, you know, to just reference Christ and to, and to testify to your walk with Christ. Sort of. I really, it's, it's not that it doesn't flow in another way. I think the Holy Spirit moves, and when, when the Spirit moves, then you feel you're filled with that and able to be very comfortable, and it just flows no matter what. It's really more a matter of, I think, God gives us the ability to speak in different ways, perhaps, to meet that. That's kind of more along the lines of saying. Yeah, that makes sense. Very good. Uh uh, any anyone else want to chime in as well? You know, at present, how do you attempt to testify to your relationship with Jesus? How do people know that you love Jesus and follow him? I'll speak since uh, nobody else is stepping up here. I, uh, the best way I know is uh, I kind of start with the, with the human factor. Like uh, if somebody's sharing either i just came from our group truth tuesday at the church and uh when somebody puts out there what's going on in their struggles or their uh their suffering or whatever's going on in their life i kind of start with my my experience or my uh commonality that they have in the humanness of it and then um many times if not most times there is something that god has done through Jesus in my life that uh, addressed that area of humanness. So I kind of start with the human factor. And, and, and I heard the word fellowship uh, in the verses that we talked about and then what the teaching was tonight. And so in that aspect of uh, kind of relating first to the humanness and then sharing my, uh, in recovery, we call sharing experience, strength, and hope of what Christ has done for me with regards to that specific, uh, you know, human nature thing or, uh, or, or, or trial or tribulation. So that's what I find is the way that I, that I can work it because it gives me a common ground to deal with. Uh, and, and then speaking what Christ has done for me. And, and, and uh, surprisingly, there's a lot of times something similar has happened in that person's life. And it, and it, and then it becomes, from talking about the suffering or the pain or the doubt or the tribulation to the conversation is all about Christ. And uh, I think that's the best kind of testimony. Yeah. And and it's, and that reminds me of, of something that uh, very similar that the Lord has been really impressing upon my mind and my heart. And I, I intended to share here tonight. It's hard to argue with a personal testimony. You know, if it's, I mean, it's really hard to argue with that, right? So, I mean, I, I used to sometimes approach testifying about Jesus as if I had to give some sort of a speech or as if I had to give some sort of doctrinal um, treatise of some kind. And what I've discovered is sometimes it's a little, you know, depending on the context, it can be a little bit better to just start with, just share about what Jesus has done in your life. It's very hard to argue. That's not a very argumentative approach to just share about the joy you have in Christ or, or, or what he's done in your life. What's somebody going to say? No, you, no, you don't. No, you don't have joy in Jesus. It's like, no, I do. It's like, how do you argue with a personal testimony? It's like, no, I take great joy in Jesus. No, you don't. Uh, yeah, yes, I do. Right. No one's going to argue with that. Right. And, um, so it's hard to argue with the personal testimony. And so I'd encourage us, sometimes it's not, it's not about, you know, trying to find 
uh, are trying to put together some sort of long, uh, you know, doctrinal explanation. You know, maybe you have the opportunity in a second conversation to to approach things from that perspective. Sometimes it's I think there's sometimes wisdom in just sharing from your personal experience because it can help build rapport and it can help communicate why you value a relationship with Jesus. Uh, Don, you just brought up the word fellowship, and uh, the Apostle John brought up the concept of fellowship when we were looking at verse 3. Um, but I, I just wonder, you know, for, for those of us, when you're thinking about fellowship, when we were looking at that verse in particular, how do you feel that the fellowship that exists between the Father and the Son is a good example to us? How is that fellowship a good example to us? Anyone have a thought on that? Now, how is that a good example to us as we try to go go through life as believers in Christ? They were they were one. The unity you know, Jesus talked about being in the Father and the Father and in Him, and He also calls us to that. That's a great example. Yeah. So, a great example of unity. All right. How else do you think the fellowship that exists between the Father and the Son could be a good example to us? Yes, Paul. Well, it, there are so many different images that always pop up, but uh, uh, Jesus uh, in the, at the Jordan River, uh, when he comes up out of the water, uh, you know, whether it's uh, Jesus hearing it or John the Baptist or everybody, but you hear the words of the Father, uh, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear him. And uh, uh, when when Jesus was agonizing in Gethsemane, uh, he said, you know, Father, if you will take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. There, there's a, uh, there's a real intimacy there uh, and, a, and a great, a great deal of love. It, 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 it's, it's what we, it's what we talk about when we, when we talk about agape love, but, but it's a very, very strong um, uh uh, love that's demonstrated between the father and the son and uh, something that uh, certainly is an image for us to follow. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And I, you have John bringing this up here too, because it's not a particularly easy thing at time for us as believers to follow through on, you know, Paul, I know you're involved in, in uh, uh, church ministry and I'm sure you've seen, Many times throughout the course of your ministry, there are times where fellowship between believers really got strained, and you've probably seen that, uh, you know, among pastors as well. Where, uh, you know, I, I see, I could see, I read your face. You know, those that are listening on the podcast, you can't read Paul's face right now, but he he's holding back a few words there because <laughs> you've seen it and I've seen it, and we've experienced it. All of us have on this call that at times it is not easy for us to to hold on to that fellowship like John is describing it here in this passage. Why does that get difficult for us? Any, anyone have a thought on that? Why is that so difficult at times for us as believers to maintain the kind of fellowship that we see demonstrated between the Father and the Son? Why does that get so hard? Because when you do that, you let your guard down. Yeah. It's very difficult for people to let their guards down because then you become uh, vulnerable mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that, that was the amazing thing about Jesus. He was always vulnerable. And uh, so there were those that took advantage of him. Uh, and uh, in his vulnerability, though, was his strength. Uh, because uh, if he had not been vulnerable, 
then he could not have died for us on the cross. Yeah, very true. Very true. Anyone else have a thought? You know, what, what has made fellowship at times difficult in your life, you know, or, or with someone else? I think on a similar note, um, if you're being vulnerable, you have to trust in other people. One of the primary temptations for sin is that self-reliance that we can work things out on our own way. And so just as it is hard to sometimes trust God with our lives, it can be hard to trust other people um, with the care of our souls. Yeah, it can be because we've all experienced people let us down. Uh, people that have treated us in very conditional ways, you know, uh, Paul brought up the idea of agape love, you know, um, yet, yes, we want to show each other that kind of unconditional love, but there are people in, in my life and people in your lives that at times their love felt very conditional. <laughs> and uh, when you experience that kind of conditional love at times, you get fearful of being hurt. And and uh, and then sometimes our opinions on certain issues are very strong. I tend to be a very opinionated person. Uh, you know, over time, I've learned how to how to moderate that some and and how to speak uh, diplomatically. You know, but that doesn't really change the level of my core convictions. I I tend to be a very opinionated person, and and I'm really grateful that my wife isn't chiming in right now as she's present on this call and could give you many, many examples of that, but we will save that for another time. But the point being, fellowship can be strained because our humanness can strain it, because we know that we have the capacity to hurt one another. We know that we have the capacity to let one another down. And yet we have this great example of the fellowship, the perfect fellowship that exists between the Father and the Son. And here you have the Apostle John saying, hey, church, try this. Hey, church, you know, love one another like this. Trust one another like this. Serve one another like this. Put one another above yourself like this. And um, in our human condition, that can be pretty challenging to do, but it's also something worth aspiring to because it's the model given to us by God. All right, here, here's one last question for us tonight as we kind of round the corner to, to finish up here. Um, so John, in the context that he's writing these things, we know he's serving as an apostle. We also know about his pastoral ministry in the city of Ephesus. So I'm wondering, have you ever mentored or parented someone so just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. So if you've ever mentored somebody or if you've ever parented somebody or if you're a grandparent, so keep that in the back of your mind. And I, I'd just be curious to hear, you know, maybe describe some of the emotions that you've experienced when they've either embraced or, or rejected your counsel. So think of someone you've invested in their life, you've poured into their life, either by mentoring them or through friendship and fellowship or even as a parent, tell me about the emotions you've experienced when they've welcomed your counsel, or tell me the emotions you've experienced when they rejected your counsel. Who wants to take a stab at that one? I know you're thinking stuff because I can see the smirks. <laughs> I see the smirks on your faces. You're thinking of direct examples of when this has been tested. What emotions did you experience if someone embraces your counsel? Let's start there. When someone embraces your counsel, what emotion does that bring out of you? I think it brings joy and commonality and knowing that, well, 
hoping that, you know, uh, that God would be using a time to draw unity. That's how I would see it. I wouldn't, I don't really see it as, as my own agenda, at least not now. I think there have been times when I have, but I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a joyfulness and a joyful spirit and knowing that, wow, this is, this is awesome. You know, this is really God moving and just sensing that in, in your spirit. I think uh, other times, you know, if it's rejected, I was waiting because my ch- my child was in the room. <laughs> so I had to be careful. I uh, was thinking along those lines. But, um, you know, there certainly have been those. <laughs> and one was just walking out of the room. So I thought, well, I'm going to wait a minute. Here's your moment. Speak but, up. Uh, out of the room. You know, moments and it kind of, uh, <laughs> both of mine are, are teenagers now, or one is almost a teenager and, and the other is 16. So, you know, those times uh, they change or their, their questions are different or, you know, the innocence grows into maturity and questions and, and just different types of dynamics that you go through. So I think the ebb and flow of that is apparent. Certainly evokes other emotions too, if there's no doubt about it, you know, like, oh my gosh, what have I done wrong? Or you know, things along those lines, um, being able to move towards uh, letting God be at work. Versus me must decrease and he must increase. You know, that comes to my mind very frequently. Excellent. Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah, you can think of very specific moments when you experience the joy or when you experience just the, the agony. And it goes, it kind of goes back and forth at times. Anyone else want to chime in and describe the emotion? Yeah, Paul, go ahead. Uh, um, 16 and my son is 33. So uh, I've been there and uh, it just, you know, keep, keep plugging along and, and it'll, it'll be good because um, uh, children, it's, it's their duty to test you. Uh, so, uh, but I, what I, what I wanted to say too, is that uh, um, we've all, we, we've been there. The, the thing for me, if somebody, if I give advice, and I try to be careful when I do that, but when I give advice, I'm usually shocked when somebody accepts it, yeah. because uh, most times people don't want advice; they want a um, reaffirmation of what they believe already, and uh, so it it doesn't happen that often. But uh, I'm I'm I, I want to share a, a something that my father always said. I'm sure it's out there. Other parents probably said it, but um, when the, the older the older you become, the smarter your father becomes. Yeah, you know, you, as you grow older, your father becomes smarter, and that's that's true. That's a a truism. Um, so, uh, mentoring uh, is uh, is a difficult thing, uh, and uh, when they take the advice. Uh, one thing I'm always thinking about is watching what happens, and because if because if it's important to give the right advice, if you're giving the wrong advice, uh, you can also hurt someone. So uh, better to uh, better to listen more and speak less. Yeah, yeah. You want to be careful with what you share, right? Especially if people are making life decisions about it. But I just, I love what John says here. He says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. You know, he's just thinking about the church embracing good doctrine, embracing this encouragement to their faith. And he's saying, it just makes, he he just sounds like a, like a joyful dad, doesn't he? 
you know, just a joyful dad, his spiritual children, or if they, the idea of his spiritual children taking the counsel that he was offering them uh, brought this flood of joy to his mind and to his heart. And uh, you see him kind of talking that way. And, and I think if you've ever invested your life in another person and tried to help someone along the way, when they receive the counsel favorably, it really does flood your heart with joy. And uh, John was certainly speaking very optimistically, thinking of the church doing that. Well, well that's uh, where we'll round up tonight. That's where we'll finish up tonight. Next week, so we normally do these every two weeks, but we're going to jump right back in next week because our schedule is a little different for the month of February. And I'll also mention this for those that are accessing the podcast. We love when people are able to join us live uh, on these calls, but we also know that because of different time zones, not everybody's able to jump on live. But our next call is going to be next Tuesday. So that's going to be February 9th, and we're going to work through the next section of uh, the letter of First John, and we're going to be talking about this idea of walking in the light. And then when we get to February 16th, and February 23rd, we're going to have two special training times that actually start a half hour earlier than normal. So normally we start at 8 o'clock Eastern, but on the 16th and the 23rd, we're going to start at 7.30 Eastern, and we're going to be talking about leading the post-COVID church. We're going to be discussing some of the materials that Tom Rayner and Church Answers uh, have put together. So we're going to have a couple training sessions on that. And we're gearing those two nights specifically for church leaders, but everybody is invited to come and participate in that. But you will notice that those two nights in particular uh, will heavily tilt toward church leaders and trying to help church leaders figure things out. And we'll probably go, normally we go one hour, but on those two nights, the 16th and the 23rd, we're going to start at 7.30 Eastern because we're probably going to go 90 minutes uh, both of those nights. And I already know that we have uh, some church leaders from a variety of places that are planning to be with us for those two sessions. And we just want to open that up to anyone that would be interested in being a part of that. We'd certainly love to have you there. But all of that you could find on the website. We have it all listed, including the schedule. And that's at desirejesus.com slash Bible study. And we're putting everything up there. I don't know why it took me so long to realize that I should just create a website for it. I've been sending out this info through uh, the newsletter, and it dawned on me this week, it's like I had an epiphany, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, why don't I just create a dedicated page on the website where everybody can find the link to jump on and the upcoming schedule instead of having to search through their emails to try and find out when we're meeting next and where the link to be able to join it. So now, going forward, desirejesus.com slash Bible study. You'll be able to find it all there. All right. Well, next week, hope to see you at, uh, that'll be February 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern, and we're going to be talking about walking in the light. Thanks so much for being part of tonight's call, everybody. It was great to see you. Great to see the states represented. We had Pennsylvania tonight. We had Florida. We had New Hampshire. And um, Tim, I'm trying to remember, I think you're down in Maryland or Virginia. Uh, so we had a variety of states tonight. We need we didn't have any Midwest tonight, so maybe next time. All right, sorry, Tim. Go ahead. Where where you you unmuted your mic? It was you? it was Virginia. You were Virginia. All right. I was I I, I had a a brain uh, blip there for a second. The computer needs to be charged. I think. <laughs> so wonderful. All right. Well, great to have everybody on the call tonight, and we look forward to getting together again next time. 
have a great evening everybody rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward him in good times and bad to listen to more abide Christian meditations just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for abide Christian meditation you can also download the abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com